When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everyone and welcome in to another episode of the Dublin to Denver podcast. I am joined today by Stuart Roach. Stuart, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, Colm. Uh, time is something of a healer, and it has been some time since the Broncos trotted out onto the field, so I probably am slightly relieved that we didn't record this on Friday evening. Uh, we've given ourselves a little bit of of time to uh, sort of come to terms with where we are at the moment as a team, as a franchise. And I think it's safe to say we are nowhere near where we expected to be. Um, and we find ourselves at something of a crossroads after week five of the season, which is um, a little earlier than I thought we'd, we'd, we'd be in this predicament. But uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm looking forward to talking about that tremendous game of football where the Broncos and the Colts decided to bring us back to 1950s uh, American football in case... Nobody was had, had seen what American football was like back then. Uh, with a tremendous game of football. And uh, I'm wondering if um, Amazon Prime or, or Amazon are desperately scratching around the back of the sofa to see if there's a receipt for, uh, for the money that they paid for Thursday night football, considering I think they've got the commanders followed uh, against the Bears coming up this Thursday, which uh, has a huge amount to live up to after our uh, our absolute just celebration of offensive football um, was just a just an absolute belter. The greatest show on turf had nothing 
on what was on show last Thursday, Colin. Oh yeah, yeah. Long live in the memory of that one. Yeah, I, I, you have marinated obviously in uh, that uh, that defeat. And look, let, let's let's get into some of it because uh, some of the stats that I have seen have been concerning. I saw a tweet from Zach Bai just to set the scene for it, and it said the Colts came into Denver with 32nd ranked offense in the NFL, who also had the lowest points per game average. They then scored below that average, and they still beat the Broncos. And uh, Stuart, before I hand over to you, just to highlight, um, in, in terms of points scored, the Broncos have scored 75 points through five games um last year at this point um way so we're sitting at two and three this year last year we scored 102 102 um points um 2020 100 points 2019 90 points uh 2018 100 points 2017 108 points Peyton Manning's first year 2012 135 points 2011 uh, that, that season um, with all of the QB controversy uh, that surrounded that 105 you have to go all the way back um, and I, I was discussing this uh, with Joe Mahoney on Twitter you've got to go all the way back to 2006 uh, where the team um, had scored 62 points 62 points for the first five games and obviously that season um was uh, very very low scoring, particularly uh, the the opening few weeks. But when when you look at the other seasons on the list, you're talking about sixty eight of um eighty eighty three, um which uh, you know well things would things would get better from there if we are to take hope from it. Though the other ones that are on there, nineteen ninety two. Um, longer uh, suffering Broncos fans will remember that year and everything that went on when we almost wanted to ship Elway out. Uh, 1999 is uh, there as as well the the year after Elway. So that kind of maybe sets the scene. Stuart, your impressions perhaps on on the game and, and on the Broncos writ large through the first five weeks? Well, the game column was, you know, despite my smart arseness a few minutes ago, the game, that was a dog of a game. Um, the only reason to watch that game as a Broncos fan was to see, thankfully, the one, you know, the, the one part of the team that's clicking is the defense, despite injuries, um, despite uh, losing our, our big free agent signing, uh, Randy Gregory, to injured reserve despite now losing Darby, who, you know, has faced a lot of attention because Pastor Tan is such a good lockdown corner. Darby, in fairness, is a very good cornerback number two. He's gone for the season. Um, but having said all that, um, Evero has shown time and time again that he is a brilliant young defensive mind, and we are going to have our hands full trying to hold on to him um, in the off-season column, I think, already. You're beginning to, to sort of hear some some sort of rumours and murmurings about him getting serious head coaching consideration uh, once this season is over. Um, and which for the Broncos, if we keep going the way we are, is going to be over after week 17 and think less things improve 
very dramatically and very quickly. Um, so the likes of Baron Browning and I listen, you know what? I'm absolutely delighted to hold my hands up. And I, I like to think that we all do this when we, when we make mistakes. I'm delighted to see that Bradley Chubb has proved me wrong. Um, long way to continue. He's got five and a half sacks for the season now, which I think is already more than he managed last year uh, or close to it. Um, uh, Bradley Chubb looks fit. He looks healthy. He looks strong. Um, the Broncos, for a long period of that time, looked like the 85 Bears. Um, they gave Matt Ryan absolute fits. It's worth bearing in mind that the uh, Colts still ran the ball reasonably well. And this was without uh, Jonathan Taylor, who has got legitimate claims to be, if not the best running back in the NFL, certainly the second best running back in the NFL. So we're very lucky not to have faced him. Um, but I, I, I think with this column, you, you can talk about this game and you can sort of pick out the odd bright spot here and there. But at the end of the day, you, you have to just keep coming back to the offense. Um, the offense, and you know, and, and you listed out the numbers there, and, and believe me, I can remember some of those years, and, and I can remember some of those years without any um, sort of sense of, of enjoyment. And um, you know, we tend to look through the past through rose tinted glasses, but I remember some of those teams, and I remember that team in particular the year after Elway when we made the appalling decision to go with Brian Gre- or with uh, Greasy over um, Bobby Brister, who everyone assumed was going to take control. Um, and then Greasy managed to get Terrell Davis's knee blown up um, on an interception. But at least there was some kind of excuse there in the sense that, you know, your team that had lost a generational talent in Elway and then sort of lost uh, a Hall of Fame running back. Um, we don't have any of those excuses. We lost Javante Williams, which is, you know, very unfortunate. We're all big fans of his here. Um, but, you know, we've gotten all of fame quarterback in there's no way that this should be going the way it is i i am just at a loss column i i i like you, you were saying you know you were going back for john mahoney on twitter i saw something else and it may have been joe who said it. i think it was because he's a great man for st- for stats and particularly historic stats i think joe sort of said recently that if the broncos keep going with the way they have been um for red zone inefficiency we're on course to be I think if not the worst team in the red zone um, in NFL history, I think we're, we're certainly going to be in the conversation. Um, that's how bad we are. Like we get to the red zone and suddenly we look like a group of 11 year olds who met in the car park for the first time outside the game and are just kind of desperately hoping that something will happen. It, it's incredible because the, the, the team moves the ball reasonably well Colin. like you look at the stats at the end of the day Russell Wilson is usually in and around 300 yards passing so you're kind of you know when we seem to run the ball well uh, usually one of the receivers shows up like Cortland Sutton again and again and again is the guy who puts his hand up and, and, and seems to be kind of carrying the load so you're looking at the stats and you're kind of going you know this team should be should be scoring a lot more points than it is but it's the red zone. We get to the stage now when we get to the red zone, we want to just bring out Brandon McManus on first down because it'd just be quicker and we can get on with ourselves. I mean, we can come back to the preposterous decision to go for it and forth and one in a minute. Um, you know, and I've got very strong feelings about that. Um, but, I, I, you know, and even when Mike Mick was with us last week, we were talking about, you know, when is this going to get better? How are they going to fix it? I, I don't know. I don't know. And look, it's very, very early on. Um, and I, I was really impressed by Hackett. I, I, I really liked his enthusiasm. I liked his energy. But you're now getting to the point, Colm, and I'm, I hate to be one of those fans, but you're now getting to the point, I think, where you're looking at Green Bay and you're beginning to kind of go, how much of that was on Hackett? How much of that was on Aaron Rodgers being a magician? And unfortunately, at the moment, 
it's all pointing towards Aaron Rodgers being a magician. Um, the Broncos offense looks poorly coached. It looks ill-prepared. Uh, it looks like it can't execute to save its life. Um, the offensive line has struggled hugely up to this point, and the offensive line is about to struggle even more because Garth Bowles was not having a good season. However, Garth Bowles is a decent tackle. Um, Garth Bowles is done for the season. So I don't know how we fix this column, and I genuinely don't see how things are going to improve because this was, as we've pointed out on this show on numerous occasions, this is the juicy part of the schedule. The tough part of the schedule is just around the corner. So if we're struggling like this now against teams that are, you know, as limited as the Colts are, the Colts have been a huge disappointment this year. As you said, they're the only team that has scored less points than us. Um, so to lose at home to that team it, it, it is incompetence to the point almost where you have to admire it. It was such a bad performance, uh, bar the, 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 the defence um, and in particular the, the pass rush. I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss, Colin. I, I just don't know. I, I, I'm really worried about the way this season is trending. Um, I think we're already pretty close to must-win territory for the game against the Chargers, which I'm sure we'll touch upon. Um, but I, I do think that. I think if we go two and four, um, already we're we're in deep trouble. I really, I, I, I'm not sure how we can make the playoffs if we go two and four. I think, like I was looking at ESPN, they have a power rankings in which we're now down in 23rd. Um, and I really don't think how anybody could argue too strenuously against that ranking. They have us, I think, at a 4.1% chance of making the playoffs. 4.1% after five weeks with Russell Wilson as your quarterback. How does that happen? Yeah, that is um, quite, quite something. And also given the fact that the contract hits are, are only going to get bigger and as we've talked about on the podcast before, it's really difficult to win a Super Bowl if your QB is eating anything more than 12%. I mean, the only QBs that have done that uh, actually gone to, to win one are Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Um, so you're talking about the, the elite of the elite. Apart from that, um, you're, you're essentially kind of 10, 11% tends to, to be the, the sweet spot. And Russell's numbers are, are going to creep up. So um, it is that is something to, to keep an eye on. And just to maybe pile on the misery, Stuart, in terms of I saw a, a tweet from Field Yates, and this was directly after the game. Um, so perhaps it changed on Sunday, but he thought, so on Friday morning, there have been 65 games played in the NFL season. Only twice has a team gone 0 for 4 or worse in the red zone in a game. The Broncos in week one, the Broncos against the Colts. And, and that is obviously enormously concerning. And yes, uh, Joe had done a piece where he said that the Broncos were uh, currently in a historic pay, uh, pace. It was 20, 21% below, you know, far below uh, the 2012 um, Chiefs. It, it's, a, it's a problem. Um, I mean, there are problems right across the, the offense. Uh, I don't think you can point to any one thing. I think there are problems with Hackett. I think he has overindulged the, the players. Um, in, in terms of allowing them to dictate, you know, the, the kick in against Seattle when nobody has kicked a, 
for for longer than 55 uh lumen field um you know the, the way in which russ has, has set up um at times for um particularly in in the red zone and spent the last couple of weekends in london talking to fans talking to beat writers of, of other teams and there is not a lot of, of love around the um, the league for Nathaniel um, Hackett or uh, Russell Wilson currently. Some of that will be Schadenfreude, uh, of course, obviously, and anyone successful that's going to uh, become an issue. But I, I really hope we can get it sorted out. I, I will say that in fairness, um, Mike Sando from The Athletic, who writes on the, the Seahawks, had had his concerns about Russell Wilson for a long time. And I don't think he's a, certainly my lesson to it is he's not out to score points, but he had kind of highlighted some of the limitations on Russell's game. I, what I had was a huge critic of Pete Carroll and the way Pete Carroll runs things ever going back to the USC days. Um, I, I really thought that was the, the issue, but it is obviously um, an enormous concern and I, I just, I, I wonder, I do wonder in terms of the, the tight ends, we need to, to get our rookie tight end back as soon as possible because Albert O clearly is, the, the coaching staff have no faith in him whatsoever. Um, and we, we desperately need more from that position. But yeah, the, the defense has been, outstanding you know you can't other than obviously the the Raiders game was was less than ideal but even there we you know we've seen that the Raiders uh, put up points they continue to lose games um sometimes in hilarious fashion uh, which is wonderful for us and and that uh, at least gives us something to to smile about but I suppose looking forward Stuart because there, there are, you know, still 12 games to go. We are now in, obviously, the 17-game season. Where did the Broncos go from here? The next up, another primetime game, Monday Night Football against the Chargers. I, I think fair to say neither team has probably hit the heights. And the Chargers were perhaps even more hyped than we were in the offseason. An awful lot of people had them as Super Bowl favourites. And they have definitely struggled. They have had injuries, but they have had their, their struggles as well. Where did the Broncos go? How did they look to get things back on track against the Chargers? Well, we, we do have a decent record um, against the Chargers in, in their place, Colin. I know their place has changed, um, you know, recently enough. But the Chargers are a sort of a peculiar one because I think the Chargers have a decent enough record in Denver, if memory serves me correctly. Um, but we do tend to play well there. Obviously, the Broncos fans travel en masse. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think you're dead right, Colm. I think there, there's, you know, as we've said here a few times, there's always a sort of a Cleveland Browns from a couple of years ago, a team that's massively hyped after spending, you know, um, spending big in the offseason. I'm not sure the Chargers are that team in that, in that sense. I don't think, you know, I think they're, I think they're getting better. I think they they're they're struggling and scratching around for a bit of form, but I think they have also been injury hit. Um, but to me, they 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 would be a team that I I think are still very much in the mix. And I think just looking at them, I think they're they're clicking. Certainly on offense, they're clicking more. I, I think their defense has been a little bit disappointing. I thought I thought I liked 
nearly all of the moves they made on defense. Um, I think obviously Mac is playing well, but I think some of the other big names are not really showing yet. Um, I, I, I think, Colm, you, you know, the one area that would give me hope in this game is I think we can get to Herbert. I do. I think, you know, I'm not so, so sure how well the Chargers offensive line is playing at the moment. I think is, is Slater injured or was he injured? I'm not sure. Um, that's a huge help because Slater's a fantastic, uh, he's a fantastic young tackle. Um, him being out will help. I think hopefully Byron Brandon can continue doing his uh, Lawrence Taylor impersonation that he, he was pulling off through the night because his burst off the edge is absolutely outstanding. Uh, and Chubb, because I think obviously as good and as talented as Herbert is, and, and he is a, a phenomenal talent, um, he has weapons. Mike Williams is playing a little bit better. I don't know if Keenan Allen is going to be back in time for this, which I think helps us again because Keenan Allen has is one of those players who has caused us no end of trouble over the years. Um, um, Eckler is a, is a dangerous player out of the backfield. Um, but I, I wouldn't fear the Chargers running game. Whereas, as you pointed out, Colin, the, the run game against the Raiders is the thing that beat us. Um, that's the only time I think we've won, we've conceded over 20 points against the Raiders. They've got 32, and largely it was to do with Jacobs. Um, I don't think the Chargers have a player who's as dangerous as Jacobs on the ground, so I think that that will would give me some hope. I mean, I wouldn't be hugely surprised to see us win this game, Colin, but I, I don't, you know, I mean, again, like, you know, I, I you could probably just record what I say each week and, and play it in advance of, of the next game because I, 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 I would like to think that we'll get better, but I I, I don't know, Colm. I mean, like Bowles is out now. You know, that's that's a massive loss. If, if whoever, I mean, if I'm if I'm the Chargers defensive coordinator, I am literally putting Mac on Calvin Anderson and going, away you go. Um, you know, let's have a this is this is, you know, remember when Michael Schofield basically turned Khalil Mack into an all pro in the space of one game. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's what they'll be trying to do. Um with uh with 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 Mac at the weekend. Um, you know, Fleming is a decent enough run blocker, but Fleming is a disaster uh, at right tackle when it comes to pass blocking. So it, if Bosa is fit, um, which I think he will be, um, you've got Bosa and Mac on either end. Oh, that is nightmare territory. Um, it's Bosa injured, Colin. Is he? Uh, yeah, so both of these okay, teams have been, have been incredibly um, badly hit. Obviously, you're talking about it there, Stuart, about the, the sheer number of injuries that the, the Broncos have. have and you've got huge numbers on injury reserve for both sides. Um, and so uh, Bosa is out for a considerable amount of time. He probably is going to miss eight, eight weeks, they're saying. Slater's done uh, probably for the entirety of the season. There seems to be this almost league-wide issue with left tackles. Um, so going... Um, off what I you know what you see and it's difficult sometimes to to know exactly how accurate these are but the the Broncos have uh, 12 players on IR uh, with a cap hit approaching 70 million which uh, uh, amounts to almost um, the the magic uh, phrase that Americans love to hear Irish people say 33 and a third um, but genuinely, 32.57% of the, the cap uh, is, is there. Uh, the Chargers have seven players, uh, uh, which counts for almost 35 million. So both of these teams are, are definitely beat up. And, pro, you know, certainly I think for the, the Chargers, 
JC Jackson has let has yet to really live up to expectations, um, struggling with, with injuries. But you know, people until we we really see him do it consistently, people I think will question whether he is another product, yet another product of the Bill Belichick um, cornerback school where he just is able to turn guys in to uh, elite players, um, the guys who, you know, are not nearly as skilled as some of the others in the league, but when they're playing in that Belichick system, they're fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree, I think, with a huge amount of, of what you're saying. I, we, we This time last year, we were on, on a really bad run of form. We shouldn't have matched up well with the Chargers, and yet we beat them, um, and beat them quite well. Uh, they they never looked really in contention for uh, that that game, and I think so. Like there are enormous frustration. I think some of the frustration comes from the fact that you know it has been going on for so long. We were told, you know, QB away, you get the QB. I think some of it comes from that. But the a, the AFC in particular this year, the, the parity, and when you look around the, the league, now I, I know uh, Thomas Brady said he saw a lot of bad football. Maybe you want to look in the mirror there, Tom, uh, given that I don't think he the, the Bucks have been fantastic this year. Um, but... Certainly it is. The, the parity seems to be the buzzword, but you can can see why, given where uh, a, lot of, a lot of teams are at. And obviously, if the Broncos were to win on Monday night, you know, all, all, all of a sudden um, they're certainly in the hunt. But I, I think as it stands and certainly going off the back of, of last night's game, the Chiefs are the best team in in this division and having Andy Reid there and the stability that they have continues to pay dividends on, unfortunately. Stuart, if there was maybe one thing that from the first five weeks that you would like to see the Broncos leave behind as we move forward and, you know, that while the team obviously haven't had a bye week, Playing on the Thursday night, then playing on the the Monday night is about as long as a as a, a break you can get without a bye week. What is, you know, and and we've almost we're essentially past the the twenty five percent market in terms. So, what would you like to see the Broncos leave in their rearview mirror from the first quarter of the season? Can I can I cheat and have two, Colin? Can I cheat and have two. Uh, the first sure. one would be first one would be injuries. Uh, I think we've been crippled by injuries, and also I think I think we've been crippled by injuries to core players, and that's doubly unfortunate. I think look, the NFL, like a lot of contact sports, you know, you, you kind of take it as red. You're going to get them, and you just kind of hope it doesn't happen to to the players that sort of make up the the very key sort of components of your team. It seems like we're losing key players left, right, and center. Um, you know, and, and touch wood, like Russell Wilson hasn't been hit by the bug yet, although he is carrying a bit of a niggle at the moment. Uh, Sertan hasn't been hit by, a, by by the injury bug and Bradley Chubb is holding up. But like we've lost Bowles, we've lost Javante Williams, we've lost uh, Justin Simmons, we've lost Randy Gregory. 
you know, these are these are you know, and even like Quinn Minards now, when you when you look at the struggles that that the interior line are having, you begin to realize that Minards was a very important player as well uh, on the interior of our offensive line. So we have been crippled by injuries to very very important players. I just hope that that you know the Bowles Derby injury. Uh, I hope they're the last two significant players that go down. I, I sadly expect that that is not going to be the case because it's a war of attrition. And the other thing I'd love for us to to, to really get over, and I, and I just cannot emphasize this enough, Colin. You, you cannot win in the NFL if you're that bad in the red zone. You, you just can't. It, it, it's a wing and a prayer stuff after that. Then you're just hoping that Russell Wilson will scramble around and do some pull something out of the hat. And um, red zone efficiency, I think, you know, and a lot of it comes down to mindset. I, I do think you kind of touched on it earlier on, Colin. I do think the lack of anything approaching an elite tight end um, is really hurting us in the red zone. If you look at the, like the Chiefs, for example, I know Kelsey is, it's almost a cheat code at this stage because he's taken over from Gronk probably as the most dangerous tight end in the game. But the way the Chiefs use Gronk in the red zone, you can see that every time. Ah, you know, if 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 Mahomes' first read is not there, if his second read is not there, he inevitably goes to Kelsey. They use him so cleverly. Um, I, I think Dulcich coming back from injury, I don't think it's going to help us that much at all for the simple reason that tight end as a rookie is, is incredibly difficult a position to play. The jump between years one and years two for, for tight end is huge. So I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I would probably be looking at bringing in a vet column, to be honest with you. I'm surprised we haven't done that. Um, I mean, Cybert's decent, but I don't think he's much more than that. And that seems to be the only tight end that, that Russell Wilson has any faith in at all. Um, so I think that's the thing that we have to get fixed. I mean, I'm sure they're trying, Colm. I just, I just don't know what it is. When, and I think you know yourself, Colm. It's one of those things where it's like when a when a striker is struggling in front of goal, or it's when a golfer is struggling with his putting or her putting when they get a case of the yips. It's like you kind of overanalyze it. It's like it's like the, the, the it's like the chronicle of a death foretold. It's like you get down to the red zone and you it's almost like you're expecting bad things to happen. And I don't for for a minute think that the players are uh, oblivious to this. I, I I think it's almost like so many ridiculous things have happened in the red zone. It's almost like you're waiting for the for the car crash to unfold. Um, so I think, you know, it'd be great against the Chargers if we could get a decent opening drive or a decent drive in the first quarter and score when we get into the red zone. I think that would make a huge difference. I think we just need to leave that behind us because I honestly don't see how this season can end up as a successful one if this continues. I mean, I, I, I don't expect us to, 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 to have that historically bad red zone I, I, efficiency. I think we'll probably get some work that later on. And there are some teams that we should be scoring points against coming up but you know I, I I just it's like you're going into a game you know it's like you're going into a box match one hand tied behind your back column there's really no excuse for the Reds on uh, efficiency to be this bad I'm stunned um, and I just don't think that the team is going to be able to put up enough points uh, if we can't get that fixed because apart from that Raiders game column that the defense has been holding the opposition to really low points totals like we should be winning all of those games, like we, sh if if the offense was holding up its part of the bargain, we'd be four and one now, and comfortably so because the defense has played that well, and um, they're not at all. Um, and 
you know, you, you, you don't want to disconnect beginning to sort of build between the team, you know, the various factions of the team, but, you know, like the defense was getting frustrated when Peyton Manning was there in 2015 because they were playing historically good football and the offense was awful. Um, that's with Peyton Manning, Although, you know, it was the Peyton Manning at the end of his career, but even still, and um, there were frustrations boiling over. Same the following year when Trevor Simeon was the quarterback and that defense was still really, really good. So, you know, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen and there does seem to be good sort of spirit amongst the lads, but the offense keeps stinking the joint out column, you know, that eventually there's going to, you're going to start hearing about altercations and training and stuff like that because they're going to get frustrated and rightly so. I mean, they're killing themselves out there and they're performing really, really well. Um, the offense has to has to pick itself up now and they have to they have to do something significant um, because, you know, if it keeps going the way it's going, we're going to finish with a losing record. We are. That's, I just think that's the truth. But I, I can't see how it could be any different because the, the offense is that bad right now. Yeah, I so and I think yeah, huge amount of truth in what you're saying. I think look, let we can end with a positive note in that uh, there is news coming out. So Hackett is saying that uh, Wilson should play on Monday night against the Chargers, and he's also saying that Simmons, uh, Dulcich, and Michael Ujimudia will all practice this week. So uh, some positive, uh, maybe injury news, and. Uh, as we move forward and Stuart final point yeah it's Colin just on that if Justin Simmons does come back I'd love to see Caden Stearns get the start ahead of Kareem Jackson I don't think Jackson is I mean look we, we, we've said for quite a while we think Kareem Jackson is overrated I think Stearns has been brilliant I mean I know he got the two interceptions obviously so that puts a you know an exclamation point on, on his performance but even even aside from that I think Stearns has been really really good um, and I think I, I'd love to see that I, I, I would prefer to see you know, um, performance over reputation. And I think Stearns is a better player than Kareem Jackson right now. So once Simmons is back, you know, Simmons is an automatic starter. He's that good a player. He's an all pro. I'd like to see him line it up with Stearns. I really would. Yeah. Um, I, I think certainly once we can get uh, Simmons back on the field, it, it, it is nice to have the, those options. And I would like to see Stearns given uh, a run to, to start to see, um, you know, it's definitely different when you are, the, the starter and, and the expectation is there. So fingers crossed he can continue to, to live up to it. Uh, obviously, we're still a long way to, to go until the actual uh, game. So I think we will wait and see how the rest of the, the week plays out. But Stuart, I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks to all the crew at Mile High Report. You can find Stuart on uh, Twitter at PurpleHeartDC. Michael is on there at Michael underscore NFL. I'm on there at Column from Cork. Uh, if you enjoy listening to us, please do subscribe, rate, review. It does make a difference. And we will be back next week uh, when we will find out how the Broncos got on against the, the Chargers. Okie dokie, Stuart. We'll leave it there. So go Broncos. Go Broncos. <laughs>